the reality of the situation is we're we're moving towards ownership and transparent, all that stuff. We're just moving towards it. And a lot of people, I think, misunderstand that they think like, well, well, what does you know, crypto do better? It does all the same stuff. It just rebuilds the stack. Welcome to W3G, the official podcast for myasin.xyz and your go-to hub to learn the latest developments in growth and marketing in the wild and wonderful world of Web3. I'm Julie Octaviano. And I'm Blake Minaho Kim. Tune in each week as we talk to the best and brightest and keep uncovering insights so we can all grow together in the world of Web3. Today, we'll be speaking to Alex Taub, co-founder of Upstream and Truth Labs, which includes projects such as Illuminati, 187, and Goblin Town. Alex is a veteran in the current tech and Web3 community and is an absolute treasure trove of alpha around innovation, company building, and the art of generating hype in the wild and crazy world of Web3. So without further ado, let's get into it. Awesome. All right. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for coming on as the very first guest within our inaugural episode of W3G. How are you doing mm-hmm. today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Congrats on your first first event. Thank you. Awesome. Well, it feels like you and I have been running in the same circles lately as Monica, who we both know as head of community upstream was actually one of the first friends I made here in Miami um, when I moved here about nine months ago. So I'm really excited to finally get a chance to kind of sit down and pick your brain all about upstream and your epic NFT projects and uh, now most recently crypto face. To start off, I'd love to know more about your background. You know, where did you grow up and what were you up to before you got into Web3 full time? Yeah, so I was born and raised in New York, lived there my whole life, moved to Miami about two and a half years ago now. And uh, always interested in technology, always in the tech world, straight out of school. In 2012, I was at a company called Dwala. It was a payment startup based in Iowa. It's one of the first ways to get money in and out of crypto. So I've been, you know, I sort of got to see the rise of originally Bitcoin and then Ethereum and sort of been in the game for about a decade, a little more than a decade. And yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been interested in technology and the advances of technology. And I think in the same way that AOL and the internet and then like iPhone and mobile, I think the concept of Web3 and ownership is going to be a a really big one that's sort of long-term and impactful. So I'm excited to be in the space. Awesome. Well, yeah, obviously here at Myosin, being a DAO, we're very bullish about the concept of DAOs. And we're always curious to hear about different DAO structures and use cases. So I guess with that being said, I'd love to know more about like the evolution of Upstream. What did Upstream start out as and how would you describe it today? Yeah. So Upstream started off as a place to give and get help, actually. But the vision was always like, what does the future of community sort of look like? So we're always like, that was like the vision is like, well, community is important. And what does the future of community look like? And how do you build the biggest like community product? So at the start, it was giving and getting help. And then COVID started. So this was, that was like end of 2019. Beginning of 2020, we started getting into virtual communities and virtual events. And how do you build Mm -hmm. the biggest community product? So at the start, it was giving and getting help. And that got really popular and we raised our seed round with that momentum. And then we started to realize that like the events were great and meeting people were great. And it was really an amazing lifeline during, during COVID. But then we started to see like, you know, or started to think about like, what's the web three play for community. And it was very, very, it was pretty obvious that it was a DAO, you know? So we started mm-hmm. to try to start and join as many DAOs as possible. We said, okay, how do you start one? How do you join one? And we felt like it was very, you know, late 1990s building a website where it's yeah. like 
you either knew how to do it or you paid someone a bunch of money and they did it for you. There wasn't a Shopify, there wasn't a Squarespace, there wasn't a Wix, there wasn't a, a you know, WordPress. And um, we felt like DAOs were sort of the same. It was like a little bit of a, you know, you either knew what you're doing or you paid someone some money. And then on top of that, even once you got the DAO going, there wasn't like a, like a sort of full stack product. I could do all my stuff in like, and not have to like use a million different tools. So we felt like that was a really good opportunity to build like sort of like this no code, full stack, DAO in a box that everything's in, in one place. When we launched that at the end of November or middle of November, and it just took off. It took off in a really big way. And we ended up raising our series A in March. And there's a bunch of interesting use cases. And uh, right now I spend a lot of my time thinking through, you know, how do DAOs take off and like, how do they also mm -hmm. become sustainable? And I know, I don't yeah. know that how they take off and how they become sustainable is actually the same thing. I think that there's in a similar way of like, how do, how does DeFi take off or how does NFTs take off? And then how do they become sustainable? Insane APRs. Like, <laughs> yeah. So they take off as insane APRs, but then how do they say sustainable that, that people sustainable? want to use this long term? Mm. Um, yeah. And then same with NFTs is like, yeah, you know, they took off and everyone wanted to buy and, and start NFT projects, but how do they say sustainable and how do they say something that people want to do? And at the end of the day, it looks like a lot of things take off because you're making money, but then how do, how do they stay long-term? And, you know, mm -hmm. so that's been on my mind a lot about DAOs recently is like, yeah. all right, how do we get them to take off? Because in, in my yeah. opinion, like DAOs from the DeFi angle ha are, are popular, but investment clubs you know, NFT projects, et cetera. Yeah. I'd actually love to dig, dig into that a little bit deeper, which is, you know, as you think about DAOs, I mean, let's, that's a really interesting perspective of it's kind of the short term versus the long term, right? Short term being, how do you get this thing to take off long term? How do you keep sustainable? I mean, but I love to just drill into each of those. So when we're talking about DAOs taking off in your experience, especially since upstream is helping launch so many different types of DAOs internally, like, have you seen anything interesting or any commonalities? I mean, I have some hypotheses myself, but I'd love to hear your take on what is it that yeah. really helps the helps DAOs figure out their early product market fit. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we're building DAO infrastructure, so we want to be able to support any type yeah. of DAO, any type of DAO that wants to get started and how they want to use it. It's really up to them. We're, we're sort of this like beautiful front end experience for them to manage their DAO. And, you know, you could launch it on us, you could bring it over, you could bring an existing project over to us. So we're trying to be supportive of all types of DAOs. I think the way I sort of see it is there's three like important metrics in terms of a DAO. Mm -hmm. I think, and, and I'm talking like really high level with, you know, how many DAOs get started, how many people are in those DAOs, and then how much money is in that DAO. And I think like those are the three highest level ideas of like understanding the I don't want to say the health of it, but like if you have a lot of money in a DAO and a lot of people in a DAO and there's a lot of DAOs being started, that, that's probably a good thing. And I just look at all the different spaces of what has the single most impact all through those metrics. And I think it's really community DAOs that, that sort of take the cake. I think and when I say community mm -hmm. DAOs, I mean what like the Constitution DAO probably could have been if they would have ended up getting mm -hmm. the thing. But it's like basically... <laughs> Yeah. Pinning it into it with one piece core of mission. Yeah. Well, core mission, but like one, maybe it's an item, the constitution. Mm -hmm. Like I imagine if the they bought the constitution, there would have been local meetups and there would have been more maybe interest in yeah. history and American history. And this, there would have been like a really interesting community that sprouted, which sort of just like disappeared. It didn't, they didn't get the thing, distribute the token. It was yeah. a meme token for a little bit. So people made some money, which everyone was sort of happy about, but ultimately it was just not a, let's call it successfully went from fundraise to community. 
type of thing. Yeah. I think that's, I think yeah. it had a lot of things yeah. right. And I just don't think if you could build the blueprint that anyone can sort of copy, right? I think that, yeah. that gets really interesting in terms of, all right, like, because like, think about NFTs, right? Why did NFTs take off? You bought an NFT and within 48 hours, you sold it for 10X, right? And not everyone did that, but a lot of, a lot, enough people did that. So I bought an NFT for 500 bucks, sell it for 5,000 bucks, and I'd go tell you. And I'd be like, yo, Blake, look what yeah. I did. And you're like, holy moly. I don't know if you're like Chris here. Say, holy moly. And and you'd be like, I'm going to try that too. So you did it. And then you tell right. Julie, and Julie's like, you know what? I'm not going to just buy it. I'm going to start my own project. And now Julie's project yeah. goes up. And it goes on and on. And it was basically viral word of mouth because people were financially succeeding with the thing. So that's, right. that's sort of how until, I see it. Until um, the... Until the wheel stops, until, right? it's got to end but, somewhere. But yeah, it does. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, like, in the, so it does for a lot because mm -hmm. some of these things weren't good or real or sustainable. But yeah. there are, there will be companies that come out of the bear that are, you know, yeah. there are projects and collections that will be yeah. long term valuable. The team didn't stop working; they continued to build. You know, so I, I think it's very possible that ninety ninety five percent of them are worthless, but the ones that are worth something mm -hmm. could be worth a lot. Yeah. Well, and that's perfect. So I'd love to kind of take that and transition that from kind of your work with upstream into kind of truth labs and how that developed. Could you kind of walk us through kind of that transition point? Because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here at the kind of like overlap of DAOs and NFTs and just web theory in general, but just setting yeah, the sure. stage and then we can dive in. Yeah. Yeah. So I was initially inspired by the, the idea of, I was buying a lot of NFT projects and I was buying them with friends. And one of those friends mm -hmm. is a guy named Caesar Kuriyama. And we were just pitching each other ideas left and right about different NFT projects we theoretically could do. We had been building the DAO stuff at Upstream. This was last summer. And we were mm -hmm. building the DAO stuff at Upstream. And I was like, you know, it'd be sort of cool if like there was an NFT project that took a percentage of it and put it in a DAO and then the community can sort of decide what to do with it. And ended up coming up with this idea around like as a joke like we if the illuminati was sort of like a real they'd probably be like in web3 they'd be a DAO. and uh, sort of started as a joke and then we're like oh you know the the pyramid eye iconography that could be really nice and then one of caesar's good friends is an artist named process gray and he just banged out a couple and we're like whoa like and the three of us just worked really well together we didn't really step on each other's toes on like the different strengths and uh, we sort of just uh, start to compile there's a really killer team of like you know a lot of the people went to pratt with caesar so they're all like artsy uh, people and yeah. and just like performance art creative the yeah. point is is that we ended up putting it together we launched it january 3rd and sold out really quick 100 went into the dow and then we started to build and we started to just do fun stuff and mm. things that we thought were interesting and you know we're a little secretive about what we were working on and then eventually this crazy thing called goblin town came out and yeah nobody knew it was us for about 30 days and uh, that was a fun time that was, just seeing hate that was it, a crazy love time it. yeah a crazy time i remember that people hate it love it yeah and uh, yeah, it was just it was a you know we knew we knew some of the stuff was unsustainable but we also knew that there's only so much these things go in like ebb and flows and the only mm -hmm. thing we could do that would be interesting would be like to make something long-term interesting with with it so we have this mm -hmm. collection called the 187 which are like 187 sort of characters in this universe we're building and we were starting mm -hmm. to build it before we even came up with the idea of goblin town and just goblins happen to be in that universe and uh yeah, there's like a bigger thought process behind it. And, you know, the, the team's just super creative and they have like just really great ideas. And if it wasn't for the amazing team like this, it wouldn't be possible. You know, there's a lot to do and there's a lot that we want to do. And it's a balance of what do you tell people? We were trying to be like 
secretive and only not hype things up and only deliver when we deliver. That also leads to like silence for some time. So it's a balance of how do you, how do you create the, the right elements for a project to succeed? I think that's actually a perfect segue into my next question in the spirit of this podcast being all about Web3 growth and marketing. I'd love to hear about what was the method or the strategy um, in like building up lore and, and really marketing not only these NFT projects, but I would love to hear about Upstream as well and kind of how yep. those two differentiate in terms of like marketing and, and really generating that hype. Yeah. So on, on the Upstream side, it's more like growth marketing. So it's like, we have a product for this and it's like, okay, who could benefit from this? So like one of the ideas we had recently is like a DAO-a-thon instead of like a hackathon. And like people just can, you don't need to be technical. You can come with ideas. Yeah. And like, if you, you put, you compile a team and you put together, you know, and then you pitch it, like maybe we'll match your first, you know, whatever contributions. Like that's a interesting growth marketing hack strategy. On, on the truth side, our, our stuff was more like, you know, I initially had the idea, but like, ideas are sort of worthless in terms of goblin time. Until like, you execute. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you execute. So like if we didn't have gray, like no one would be able to draw it. If we didn't have Caesar, he was really creative about the mechanics around it. If we didn't have, you know, Sydney on the team, we wouldn't have had some of these great ideas for Twitter spaces with the music and the goblin, you know, and Ethan oh doing the God. goblin voices yeah. and the burgers and Sydney with the drawing and Bruce on the team does all the lore and Scott builds all the crazy websites. And the Nifty Labs people, they do all the, the coding and Steph on the team, she makes sure everyone sort of runs on time. Like if we didn't have all those things, yeah. the idea would have been just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do like a goblin project how'd you coordinate all that did you do it through discord or use upstream or we was it a, just like a, email there's a combination of of, of right. all i mean but everything of, yeah the truth lab, i mean we have a discord we have a private area and yeah. we talk we have we text each other we work on notions i mean we have a bunch of different things i'm in miami but most of the other teams in tri-state area there's some i think yeah. a few people on the west coast but mostly i think i've seen i'm, I'm over here in brooklyn and I've seen the Goblin Town van over in Gowanus. Like I think I've walked by <laughs> a couple times since NYC. Yeah, that was, that was that pretty funny. NYC. That was yeah. that was a fun, fun, yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all good. Um, so I just want to actually take it back a little bit to kind of you know we were talking earlier about the initial growth versus long term sustainability, and obviously I think pretty much anyone in Web three they've heard of Goblin Town and Illuminati and Truth as well. But then there's a question of, I guess for you, since Goblin Town has launched, like, is there a mission? Is there something you guys are working towards? How do you guys see the sustainability and, and continuing to grow those communities? Like, how has that been? Is that something you are focused on, aren't focused on? I'm curious to hear your perspectives on all that. So, I mean, yes, we're, we're definitely focused on all of that. I think, you know, we're building the yeah. universe with a bunch of different characters. You know, Goblin Town happens to be the first collection in that in those characters. There's other yeah. people and things, well, not people, but there's other things in Goblin Town. We've met something called the Grumple, which is a different character. Mm. There's other stuff there. There's we've, we've sort of outlined a little bit of a universe there and different things that are there in some of these like videos and teasers that we've done. So we have like different, different pieces of the puzzle that are like out there, but also it's really hard to follow along with this type of stuff, you know? And so... Once in a while, Gray will do some art and it'll introduce a new, like, introduce this, like, walrus or not a walrus. It was like a, some big ocean creature. Okay. Um, a whale. And, um, 
Mm, yeah, it was sort of, there was a whale early on. There was a like a Mediterranean dweller type of thing. There's a okay. lot of stuff there, and and you know, pulling on different things depending on the feedback from the community is is really something we we think about a lot. You know, ultimately, we do our best not to hype anything up, and we do our best not to talk about things before they're live. I think we're yeah. we're internally figuring out like what's the right balance, right? If you think about any TV show, right? Even Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. right, or House of Dragon now. You, you have to do a preview for next week to get people to, to be yeah. entertained to come back. And you're not, you don't really 100% know what's going to happen the next week, but you have like right. a little inkling of what's going to happen. I'm not saying we need to go and make a whole trailer for like the next thing coming, but drip. continue narrative yeah. and, and dripping, drip, drip. But that's the way you sort of do it. And I think we, we were good at that in the beginning. And we have a lot of stuff we're like quietly working on. And mm. you want to also make sure that once the thing comes out, like people care. So it's yeah. been a learning curve of like, how do you sustain interest? Because ultimately that's all you can really control is yeah. like sustaining interest. Like you can't control the, the, the prices of, of NFTs and you can't, like if yeah. you could, like I would just say like up every day. Nice. Um, but you can't. So Why don't we all? It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. When, when people hit me up and they're like, yeah, you gotta get the floor. I'm like, listen, if mm-hmm. I could do that, I promise you, like I would do it. Like if I He's could just, just say, done, right? up yeah. every day, let's do it. But so has your tactic to continue generating interest? It's really been very much the kind of just continually dripping previews and, you know, I think it, the, previews, it's the direction we're going uh, yeah. towards. I think we've been more radio silent for the past, not radio mm-hmm. silent, but we've been quieter the past two months. And I think it, it requires a balance and something I'm like mentally thinking through these days. Mm. I guess pivoting a little bit away from that and more towards like the DAO slash upstream stuff. So I guess firstly, I would love to understand how you kind of balance both, right? Like running upstream alongside, um, you know, these NFT projects or I guess truth labs. And then I guess a, a second part to that question, do you find that launching NFTs helps you learn more about DAO engagement within upstream? Yeah, so it's a great question. The the answer is I've, you know, amazing teams on both sides. Like I'm the one thing that ties anything together there. They're separate entities. Truth Labs is an LLC, whereas Upstream is an entity, a corporation, it's raised venture money. In both of those things, I'm very active and I think that they complement each other a lot. That being said, like if I had to do like the, if there was not an amazing team at Upstream and not an amazing team at Truth Labs, like I just wouldn't be able to do it. But the 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 amount of time and, and energy that the team spends that lets me focus on the things I need to focus on for each of those things. So that's sort of how I see it. What I'd love to kind of dig into a little bit as well is I think, you know, amongst most of our guests, I think you kind of occupy this very unique space between NFTs and DAO. So I think that that's an area I really want to dig into is particularly within your communities, right? And, you know, you've now... You have Illuminati NFT, you have Illuminati NFT DAO, right? What have you seen work best? Because I think from a DAO perspective with Myosin, we're always thinking about how to continue elevating your community members. How do you think about governance? How do you continue growing sustainably, bringing on the right people, rewarding the best people? So I guess the question here is like, what what have you seen work and not work when it comes to kind of elevating Illuminati NFT DAO to be kind of self-sustaining and, and, you know, getting closer to that decentralized autonomous future we're all trying to get towards. You know, we're dealing with it right now. I mean, the DAO put together a project, right? And we launched it. And I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding of like who owns it and who's focused on it and who should be doing what. And I think yeah. we also realize internally at Truth that like we need to be more communicative of that. 
And the fact that mm -hmm. it was basically me and the dev shop that we hired for CryptoFace, and it wasn't really a true, it, it is not a Truth Labs launch project. It is a demo mm -hmm. launch project. And basically, it just meant we need to be a little bit more clear on that. But also, yeah. we need someone who's 100% of their time on the DAO and like yeah. use the DAO funding. We have a like almost a thousand ETH in there. Using the DAO funding, let's hire someone whose job is to run the DAO. You know, like that is yeah. their they're the CEO of the DAO, and and then their main responsibility is making value. Like for example, the CryptoPunks hired somebody in the community to basically be uh -huh. the shepherd of CryptoPunks. So, you know, hiring someone who's the shepherd of the DAO and here's all the things the DAO's in charge of and uh, they have access to and they're going to be a signatory voting and all that stuff is like something clear. So like that's one of the big things that we're going to have a call tomorrow as a, as a community and we're going to go through a lot of that. And I think that's important. Like how can Truth Labs support the DAO but not be necessarily responsible because like we're working on a ton of stuff for Goblin Town, Illuminati, NFT, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And to like be taking on other projects that are there, we love them. We think they're fun, but they're also just not, there's like a, it's not even a separation of church and state. It's like, this is like two different countries, sort of like two different entities. That yeah. was its own entity. So I think it's a little overdue, but like hiring someone who's the boss of the DAO is probably our next yep. step in terms of like, and proposing that to the community. <laughs> I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into kind of, so, because I think that's something we've seen ourselves as well, right? We launched Mice in February. It started pretty centralized. We hand-cranked the community. And since then, I think we've been kind of elevating community members and bringing them up. But I think it's funny mm -hmm. because I think there's so many people when they hear the word DAO, they think it's just this totally chaotic, decentralized space. And, and really what I see all the time is it's, we're using technology to kind of enable better governance, better business structures, better and more equitable model, right? But that does mean there's not leadership, there's not structure. But I guess following up on that, so like you're saying, you, you wanna bring on leaders for Illuminati and TDAO and the others. Have you guys thought about org structure and how that works? And Because I think the funny thing is, as we get further along ourselves, we're kind of like, how do we make it so we're not replicating the exact same organization structure we're trying to get away from, but at the same time, you need some kind of structure. Otherwise it's just, you, you, ju you just move so much slower. And like you found, you don't always have people who are incentivized to take that initiative and to actually take ownership. So it's been kind of something we don't, we don't know. I think everyone's trying to figure out, but I'd love to hear kind of your perspective. On yeah. That. I mean, I don't have a silver bullet for that, but I think the way yeah. we're thinking about it is it's, it's either someone's in charge of it and someone's like the shepherd, yeah. or maybe it's a duo yeah. that's in charge of it. And like one mm. person's a little bit more technical, one a little bit more business minded. But yeah, I think in terms of this, like, I think it's, it's pretty important to, to figure that out as a community uh, and we i don't i don't have an answer like uh, right now it was sort of like we're just doing it and we're gonna figure it out uh, and sort of build the plane a little bit on the way down and then now that the plane is sort of assembled we need to like get a pilot for that plane so we can land it fly it around the world okay so i guess my final question this is a very broad question but overall i guess what are the top three things that you've learned about launching or from launching nft projects um it's important to enjoy what you're doing because if you don't it it's gonna get really annoying and really bad really fast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you should make decisions, like you should mostly make decisions that are not based on money in terms of mm -hmm. how you're approaching the thing. You know, if, if money is the whole driver of it, maybe just buy and yep. sell NFTs, don't launch an NFT project. 
And the third is no matter what you do, there will be someone who's upset. There's no mm. way to go about it where like there's yeah. no one, like you could be the nicest, the worst, it doesn't matter. You have the best intents, the worst intents, someone will be upset about it. You can give something away for free. Someone will be upset about it. It's crazy. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's the same idea of like the people who buy NFTs and then sell it like below mint price, like right away. Like, I don't understand yeah. that. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? There's like something wrong here. There's something off. Like it doesn't make any even make any sense. Some someone will do like an investigative story about it. Maybe like Zach, whatever his <laughs> name is. It's like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But like someone will always be mad at what you're doing. So if that's the case, you might as well try to do the thing you think is right or the way approach it the way you think is right. Because someone if someone's always gonna get mad, you might as well like do it in the way you think you should be doing it. Because even if you do yeah. it any other way, someone's gonna get mad anyway. And and I'm not saying it's the right way because you don't necessarily know what the right way is, but do it the way that you think it has the best outcome for you know the the members of your community, et cetera. That's how I sort of approach it. I love that. Oh yeah. I actually have one more. This is kind of like a big picture, like uh, big brain thinking, right? So I think something we're always thinking about is kind of and again, that's kind of the whole thing, right? Is like web three versus web two marketing. And I think we have our own opinions on it, but I guess I'll, I'll just kind of leave it open-ended for you, which is as you think through, and, and it's funny because again, like you occupy a very interesting space of, you know, upstream while it's focused on DAOs, it is a bit kind of like web 2.5, somewhere in between. And then uh, the NFTs are firmly hundred percent web three. So from your perspective, like how has that been evolving in terms of how you think about growth, go to market? And just overall the marketing strategy, I guess. Obviously different businesses, but yeah. Yeah. Just like how it's been I, evolving. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. Obviously, the way you market to Web3 people is very different than the way you market to people who, you know, are don't have a MetaMask wallet or something like that. I think it's interesting. I think that a lot of people don't fully get that it's just like well, I, I hear both sides. One is like, listen, I've been around for over a decade in this space. I've seen all the, I've, I've gone through like, you know, five halves of, of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. Ethereum, you know, yeah. plus. And every time something big comes out, like ICOs came out, then DeFi came out, and it's right. came out. You know, every time something comes out, once it like goes on the downward spiral, people are like, oh, this is as big as it's ever going to be. And then it, like, this is like time and time again that happens. And I've just heard it from someone recently about NFTs. Like, oh, this is as big as the crypto market's ever going to be. And I'm like, you do understand <laughs> that like within the next two years, the metaverse, gaming, all that stuff is coming back and it's going to be 10x the size of what NFTs look mm -hmm. like. So I don't know. I, to me, it's like you're... A lot of people think that this is the size of the market, and I think that it is today, but I think mm -hmm. as time goes on, the market will get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people. Yeah. And everyone who's like trying to dunk on crypto people on Twitter, you know, those tweets are going to look stupid five, 10 years from now, just like making fun of like the yeah. internet and iPhone looks stupid now. And that's, that's the reality of the situation. So, you know, they, they can take their scalps, you know, but they're, they're going to lose the yeah. wars. The reality of the situation is we're, we're moving towards ownership and transparent, all that stuff. We're just moving towards mm -hmm. it. And a lot of people, I think, misunderstand that they think like, well, well, what does, you know, crypto do better? What is, what does it do better? It does all the same stuff. It just rebuilds the stack. It's like, I don't know, yeah. I saw someone say like, you know, well, the irreversible thing is like, okay, if irreversible is not the thing, make reversible. You can build it however you want. It's literally just yep. programmable money. Like, I don't know why people are so upset at it. Like, this is just the early days. This is just programmable money. You can literally program money yep. however you want. And like, yep. you know, 
I don't know. It just it seems like very short sighted from very intelligent people, but it just seems very short sighted of like, well, this does all the same stuff that Web two does. It's like, yeah, I know. It's like Web two, but incremental does progress. You know, yeah, yeah. And I think people just don't realize that it's like, yes, it's the same stuff built on a new stack. It's like, you know, how many middlemen you're cutting out with this stuff that you don't yeah. need. Like, there's a lot of people who aren't middlemen that you do need, you know, insurance, this and that. You need those things. There's also a lot of middle people you do not need. And they're they're the ones who are getting hit the most. So anyway, I mean, I can have a hold of These things called banks, you know, the largest middlemen of all. like, you know, when, when was the last time you lost your money from your bank? You're like, have you never heard of like bank fraud and identity fraud? Have like, you heard of credit suisse? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and it's not like, like yeah. who's going to bat for these banks that like, they're, they're like the, I don't know. It's just, it seems it's strange. It, it seems strange. And it also seems like this is going to look really yeah. bad in a few years. So like you could get your swipes <laughs> in when people are down, but ultimately yeah. you're, you're going to probably lose the war. We'll just keep building. We'll just keep building. Perfect. Julie. Yeah. I was just going to wrap it up with our rapid yeah. fire questions. If that yeah. sounds good. Sure. Okay, cool. All right. So as indicated, we decided to throw in three rapid fire questions just to kind of round it out, get your take on some things and end on kind of a lighter note. So with that being said, I'll just start shooting it off. First one being, what is the Web3 project you're most bullish on? And it can't Aside be something your... you work, that you're working on. Yeah, it's got to be something else. It can't else. be something <laughs> that I'm working on. I'm really bullish on any metaverse experience that is hmm. building fun games that are going to attract my yeah. friends, that are going to be fun to play, and that are potential places you can make money. I think those three, that three, that equation, those three things are are the recipe for like the metaverse taking off and gaming taking off in the Web three world. So any company doing that stuff, love nice. that. It's fast cool. coming. Yeah, I feel like you already kind of touched on this, but out of some of the things that you did mention, what is the biggest professional learning from this past year, only within the last twelve months? Yeah, I would say I would say the biggest one is like that. You might as well just do what you think the, the way you think it's right because there's literally someone will have an issue with what you do. Like there's no mm -hmm. way that you could build anything that anyone cares about in any meaningful yeah. way, in any big way that you won't have either like someone who hates it, someone who hates you, someone who hates what you did. And I'm talking like free giving it away. You know, there's someone will be upset. Someone will be upset for some reason that is beyond your control. Right. And so you might as well think about it and do it in the best way possible. It's like giving away something for free, whether it's a raffle, whether it's a yeah. NFT project, whatever. And then people being upset about it for some reason is, is like, you know, feels it's a bit borderline crazy, but yeah. it happens all, it happens all the time. Yeah. Fair enough. Blake, I'll let you round it out with the last one. Yeah. I think the last one's pretty fun. So this one is actually just kind of hypothetical. It's if you had a million dollars today, someone airdropped you a million, let's say USDC on your wallet, what would you go and build on Web3 today? And again, separate from what you're doing with Truth and, and you know, Illuminati and, and the rest. You have to go build something else. A million dollars? Can it, you have to be able to build it with a million dollars or it's just the starting? Uh, let's say millions just to get the MVP and then you can go raise more if you need. Yeah. The truth of the matter is if, if I had an idea that I wanted to do, I would just do it. You yeah. know what I mean? So like I'm doing all <laughs> yeah. the, I'm, I'm doing all the things I want to do. I'm working on really interesting infrastructure with DAOs, which I think could be big. And I, yeah. and I also am working on, you know, an NFC project that has like, you know, lore and, and, and yeah. can't, you know, story and that. So like, those are the two things I just want to do. Like, 
if yeah. I had another thing I wanted to do, I would do it. I don't, I don't want to stretch myself too thin. I feel like I'm in the right amount of like where I'm not going yeah. crazy and I'm, I can get things done. So the answer is nothing because I'm doing everything I want That's to do. That's great. That means you're doing, you're living, you're living life the right way. Yeah. Living my best life. <laughs> I think that's what they call living it. Living the best life. There we go. Nice. There we go. I think that concludes our first episode. So thank you again, Alex. Thanks for, for having joining. me. Really appreciate yeah. the time and the insights. And yeah, it was a true pleasure. I feel like I learned a lot in this episode. Thanks so much, Alex. This was really awesome. I've been kind of eyeing some Illuminati NFTs myself since like March. And then Goblin Town happened and it blew up. And I was kicking myself ever since. So my, my socks <laughs> picks them up. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks for having me and good luck on, yeah. on the rest of the, the episodes you put together. Thanks so much. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Much appreciated. And uh, talk to you soon. All right. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of W3G. If you'd like to learn more about Web3 marketing, please visit myasin.xyz to get started. And of course, if you're a fan of the show, please be sure to show us your support by subscribing and leaving some a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to tune in. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.